Welcome to another edition of Not Fake News, a podcast exposing and analyzing information and disinformation as reported or not reported in the news. I'm your host, Mike T., your Ivy League conservative and former Democrat who has come to his senses. I'm coming to you from the forests of Ohio, otherwise known to the coastal elites as flyover country. Do you know what I like to do on Sunday morning? I like to sit down with a cup of coffee and read the Sunday paper. That's right. The real paper made of wood pulp and has ink on it. On Sunday, I received two newspapers, the New York Times and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Each, of course, is a left-wing publication. Outside of a few local stories, the Plain Dealer is basically our local version of the Washington Post and the Associated Press. Each paper is rich in material for this podcast since each paper has lots of misinformation, disinformation, and good old-fashioned bias against conservatives and constitutional ideals. Let's call it what it is propaganda. Regarding the Cleveland PD, as I like to call it, I usually go to the opinion pages labeled as the forum. There last month under a column entitled Letter from the Editor, who happens to be named Chris Quinn, there was a piece entitled Disgust with Elected Leaders Runs Deep with Readers. Where do I start? It should have been titled, Discussed with Local Journalists Runs Deep with Conservative Readers, the few that are left. Quoting the editor, Chris Quinn, quote, I asked last week where our newsroom should focus its advocacy in 2024, end quote. Now, this question jumped off the page and into my lap like a hot cup of spilled coffee. Newsroom advocacy? Look, I'm no journalist. I'm merely a consumer of news. But the term newsroom advocacy did not sound like journalism to me. I thought newsrooms were supposed to report the news. You know, who, what, where, when, and why. There's no advocacy in reporting the news, at least in traditional journalism, until you get to the opinion pages. Now, I looked up the term advocacy in the latest Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, and advocacy is a noun that means the act or process of advocating or supporting a cause or proposal. Advocate is a noun defined as one that pleads the cause of another. The verb advocate means to plead in favor of. So the editor of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, a news publication, has identified that news reporters should report the news in favor of some person, entity, or cause. Let that sink in for a moment. According to his Google profile, 
editor Chris Quinn has a journalism degree from Temple University. He has spent more than 40 years in journalism. So what explains his radical departure from traditional journalism? My guess is left-wing ideology and Democrat politics. At least editor Quinn is not trying to hide his ideology. He doesn't even try to hide the fact that news reporters for the Cleveland Plain Dealer have a bias in reporting the news. In fact, he encourages news reporters to take a position when reporting. He is proud of the fact that he and his reporters, and I'm quoting now, commit themselves to thwarting the aim of pro-life supporters. Hmm. The previous Sunday, he wrote, and I quote, separate from our Just the Facts news coverage, we pride ourselves on the impact we have on improving our community. This year, we used our firepower on State Issue 1 in August, which Editor Quinn called the sleaziest initiative ever perpetrated on Ohio by our lawmakers, end quote. Issue 1 in August in the state of Ohio was a vote to determine whether the threshold to amend the Ohio Constitution should be increased from a simple majority to 60%. Chris Quinn and the reporters at the Cleveland Plain Dealer took a position that increasing the threshold would make it harder to pass an amendment to enshrine abortion as a basic civil right, so they opposed it. Since Quinn and his entire crew are, wait for it, pro-abortion, the measure failed to, to the delight of Quinn and his reporters, and in praising himself for the, and the reporters for their role in the defeat of this measure, Quinn wrote, we begin sounding the alarm as soon as they voted to put uh, put it on the ballot, and we did not stop. Readers implored us to spread the word. We published 67 news articles, seven editorials, 18 opinion columns, and nearly daily letters to the editor. We did our job, he boasted. Thanks in part to the left-leaning partisan PD reporter advocate who advocates who did their job, the amendment to enshrine abortion into the Ohio Constitution passed by voters in November. Article 1, the Bill of Rights to the Ohio Constitution, now includes both the right to life and the right to death, death of a baby inside the mother's womb. No contradiction there. Editor Quinn would call that progress. I call it cultural decay and moral decline. Back to Sunday's paper. So editor Quinn asks how the newsroom should focus its advocacy in 2024. In discussing emerging themes based upon text messages and emails, Quinn wrote, and I quote, a report, repeated request was that we do everything we can to show voters how another presidency for Donald Trump would imperil democracy, end quote. He expressed his concern of, and I'll quote, 
Trump's intention to become a strongman dictator, end quote. And he described Trump, I'll quote him again, as dangerous, who tried to overthrow our government on January 6th, end quote. Do you need any more proof that the editor of a major city newspaper is completely biased against Donald Trump? I think his statements qualify him as suffering from TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. For the record, and for the umpteenth time, Trump did not try to overthrow the government on January 6th. He wanted to delay the certification of the election until the completion of an investigation of voter fraud, as he was warned months earlier by his attorney general, William Barr. Remember Bill Barr? He did not engage Trump, did not engage in an insurrection, as it is repeated ad nauseum by the lefties who run our news outlets, including the Plain Dealer. He engaged in a peaceful protest that got out of control in what I and millions others believe was an outcome planned and executed by Trump's enemies. If only the Republicans would conduct a serious investigation of January 6th, they would discover all kinds of foul play. But they didn't, and they won't. I must ask why. The only conclusion I draw is they, the Republicans, don't care about government corruption. Again, why? The Epic Times complied two documentaries on the January 6th riot. Check them out. Read Julie Kelly's book, January 6th. After three years, there are still political prisoners who have not yet had their day in court. This is 2024. What happened to a speedy trial? What happened to due process? Where is the justice? Why is no one protesting for the release of these political hostages? And who is the number one political prisoner of the Biden administration? Why, it's Donald J. Trump, Joe Biden's main opponent in the election coming in 2024. How do you spell unprecedented, historical? Please note the irony. Biden's election interference charges against Trump are, wait for it, interfering with the 2024 election. Let me say that again. Biden's election interference charges against Trump are interfering with the 2024 election. Biden's election interference charges uh, uh, are interfering with the 2024 election. How come the news media doesn't get this? Oh, I know. They are partisan advocates who are proud of their role advocating for Democrat Joe Biden. Just ask newspaper editor Christopher Quinn. You want some more irony? How about this? Biden's claim to save democracy is actually destroying our republic. Everyone should have these signs on their front lawns. People, Democrats, Republicans need to wake up.
we must all ask who is the real threat to our republic. By his unlimited open border policy, Green New Deal, out of control spending, purposeful weakening of our military, it is Joe Biden who for three years has posed an existential threat to our republic. Biden is the real danger to our republic. Given what you just learned about advocacy journalism, do you think there's any chance for the truth to be written in our Sunday newspapers? Any chance for a letter to the editor stating that Joe Biden is the real threat to our country? Any chance that would be published? Well, this is why I developed this podcast. It's my letter to the editor that I know would never be published in a partisan newspaper such as the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Now, turning the page in that edition of the Sunday Plain Dealer is a commentary written by a law professor named Wang and one of his students, a law school graduate. And the title of the article, the commentary, is We the People Voting to Reclaim the Constitution from the Supreme Court. Now, I was not aware that the Constitution took the Constitution that the Supreme Court took the Constitution anywhere. As far as I know, the United States Supreme Court accepts requests to decide important legal issues. They read briefs, they listen to oral arguments, they ask questions, and they deliberate before issuing opinions. They consider the language of the Constitution and the framers' intent, but they don't claim it as their own. This article praises Ohio voters for voting to amend the state constitution to, quote, protect the right to abortion before viability, end quote. Of course, viability of an unborn baby is to be determined by the abortion provider. These two legal giants who wrote this commentary consider the Ohio vote to enshrine abortion into the state constitution as, quote, pushing back against the United States Supreme Court decision, end quote. That would be Roe v. Wade, 1973, U.S. Supreme Court decision, which incorrectly established the right to an abortion as a matter of privacy. Note to the professor, there is no constitutional right to abortion. News alert, there never was. Just read the Constitution. Nowhere in Article 1, Article 2, Article 3, 4, or 5 is it stated that there was a right to terminate a pregnancy, not in the original language or in any of the 27 amendments. That is what the United States Supreme Court ruled in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Center last year. Perhaps the professor and the student should actually read each decision. So what is this talk about reclaiming the Constitution from the Supreme Court? In Dobbs, 
the United States Supreme Court merely ruled that abortion is not a guaranteed fundamental right under our federal constitution. The Dobbs majority said that abortion is an issue to be decided by each state. In the state of Ohio, the legislature, the people elected to make the laws, the legislature passed a law known to many as the heartbeat law, which prohibits the reproductive care of killing an unborn child after six weeks. And that's the time pediatricians say a heartbeat can be detected. This law was, of course, unacceptable to Planned Parenthood and Democrats who want nothing less than abortion on demand in Ohio and every other state. So part of the effort to fundamentally transform our country, the well-funded abortion zealots, mostly Democrats, are now targeting every red state's constitution, including Ohio, through so-called citizen initiatives and referendums, described by the writers as, quote, direct democracy, end quote. Now, I am no constitutional scholar, but when I peruse the United States Constitution, I cannot find the word democracy. I cannot find the words direct democracy. What I find is a constitutional framework that includes three separate but equal branches of government and limited powers of each branch. There is no enumerated power granting citizens the right to prevent present petitions to establish a ballot initiative. To do so would be, wait for it, unconstitutional. A seventh grade civics student knows that the only way to change or amend the United States Constitution is by amending the Constitution as it has been done 27 times. So to be clear, Reclaiming the United States Constitution by a so-called direct democracy state ballot initiative is legally incorrect. In fact, such a statement is nonsense. Dear law professor, the United States Constitution is not affected by a state ballot initiative unless the ballot initiative, if passed, violates a constitutional right. To say that direct democracy came into being because voters grew tired of a handful of judges dictating their constitutional rights is nonsense. A majority of Supreme Court judges merely found that the United States Constitution does not convey the so-called right to abortion. To say that a so-called direct democracy state ballot initiative to amend the state constitution is somehow a people's veto over the United States Supreme Court's federal constitutional decision is nonsense. Like most so-called progressives, the law professor is trying to make an argument that our nation should be governed by a majority of citizens, regardless of what the federal constitution says. The United States Constitution does not provide us with a majority rules democracy form of government. Leftist law professors don't like that. They don't like the fact that the president of the United States is not elected by a majority of individual voters, but through an electoral college explicitly spelled out in the constitution. 
They have no use for the Electoral College, which appropriates presidential votes according to a population formula, not popular votes. They actually think that New York and California should dictate who gets elected because they have the most number of voters. It does not work that way for a reason. The framers of the United States Constitution explicitly rejected direct democracy because they understood that the masses could be manipulated. Apparently, the law professor did not read the Federalist Papers, a series of essays explaining and defending the proposed Constitution. There are several essays discussing why direct democracy would not be the best form of government for the new nation. Perhaps I will devote an entire podcast on that subject. For now, I refer the professors to Federalist Paper Number 10, written by James Madison. In Federalist Number 10, Madison warned about the superior force of an overarching majority that would ignore the rules of justice and the rights of the minor party, and that would betray the interests of the people. So what happened? Back in 1912, so-called progressives in the state of Ohio amended the state constitution to allow statewide ballot initiatives. But the target then, as it is today, was not the judiciary. It was the legislature where laws are made, not the judiciary where laws are interpreted. So-called direct democracy came into being in Ohio in 1912, not because voters grew tired of a handful of judges dictating their constitutional rights, as the learned professor claims. And so over for over a 100 years, the issue of abortion was placed on the ballot to amend the Ohio state constitution to include the prospective mother's right to abort a baby in utero because the legislature would not pass a law enabling such a right. In fact, the Ohio legislature passed a law prohibiting abortion after six weeks. Remember the heartbeat bill? When there is scientific determination of a heartbeat in the developing child. So the so-called resurgence of direct democracy today has nothing to do with the so-called people's veto over the United States uh, Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court does not participate in federal constitutional decision-making that can be vetoed by anybody. It is sad to say this, but only a fool would make such a statement. The Supreme Court renders legal opinions on matters of federal law. The professor knows this. If you are planning to attend the University of Virginia Law School, where Professor Wang is located, it would be prudent to avoid taking a course in constitutional law from Professor Wang. Finally, the professor cutely concludes the article by stating, and I'm quoting him now, When courts and other officials repeatedly go against popular rule, ballot initiatives and referendum serve as powerful reminders that the first words of the Constitution aren't we the courts or we the politicians, they are we the people, end quote. May I remind the professor that the first sentence 
in the Constitution does begin with the words, we the people. However, now listen carefully, it is important to read the next few lines. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, wait for it, we the people do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. We the people do ordain and establish this Constitution, a Constitution that says nothing about state ballot initiatives and referendums, a Constitution that says nothing about direct democracy or the reclamation of anything from a Supreme Court. Shame on you, Professor Wang. Stop with the nonsense and all this propaganda. Until next time, this is Mike T. saying thanks for listening. And remember, never take for granted the blessings of liberty established for us and our children by our great Constitution. Everyone, including law professors, needs to read it, learn it, defend it against our enemies. Fake news is real. It's dangerous. It's everywhere. Stay informed. Be engaged. Our republic depends on you to keep it. Thank you.